you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL Podcast. We'll celebrate West proudly in Tybee. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Yes. No, it's not this. We're going to Tybee. We are back from Tybee. An incredible weekend, boys and girls. Ricky Hollywood jumping in right now as well. Um, We all flew out. A whole bunch of us. A whole mess of us. L.A. folk. Tybee folk. Cincinnati folk. Uh, and we had a big old po- uh, party. Uh, it was less a, a memorial to Wes, although there were certainly elements of that, but a, a more a celebration of a great man, a great friend, a great father, a great husband, a great brother, a great son. And we had a great time. We did. Amazing. F- five days on Tybee. Uh, we got there Thursday, right? We all left Monday. Um only Wes like could bring this group of people together. You know, the Cincinnati <laughs> crew and the Wesleyan brothers. And then there was us, of course, Colleen and John, but also, you know, a lot of people from the, you know, NFL, like Matt Tanton. I, I got a good story. I actually do want to say on the podcast with him later. Um, and, you know, Omar Ruiz and everything. And then the Tybee crew, who was just so uh, amazing setting up this um, softball field dedication and just like they, they're all very different and some of them you know i gotta you know i i realized like you know west brought them together you know what i mean like they it's not like they are all of them are all hanging out all the time but west had such um an amazing ability i mean i, I and i've thought about it. i know we all have he brought you brought the three of us together in, in a lot of ways too but just seeing like all those disparate people he would have been like he would have gotten a kick out of that i mean and we had the chance to stay in a group house together. And um, 
I feel like, you know, I sounded like the person that's been hesitant to get back into things. Not this kind of thing. I mean, um, what was happening in the house to me felt very uh, Wesselmania-like at times. Um, And it kind of had some flagship elements to hanging out with Wes. Like, yes, Greg, you mentioned, like, we met all these new people. Um, Even inside our group, I feel like we talked you know, to each other in ways we haven't been able to, like in, in ages in person. Um, there were plenty of spirits flowing. And you, this is the other thing that always seemed to happen around West. Like on Sunday night, um, for those that have ever wondered, like who listened to this, what would it be like to hang out with this cast of characters? I, I mean, we got a version of Dan um, <laughs> operating uh, humor, various lines of humor. I mean, like Dan times nineteen, and there was—I think there was like about a cry laughing. My jaw and face were like hurting by the end of the night, and the next morning from just laughing nonstop for like three and a half or four hours. Um, It was a truly great time. It was hard to leave. Like when those things happen, part you just forget about the whole rest of the world. We didn't sit around talking about work. We just did it up the way Wes would want to. Or how sad things were. It wasn't. It was really. It was a beautiful thing. And there is this hole in the center because being. In Tybee and this great island with these friendly people and everything is so wonderful and lived in. And the people on the island that organized various elements of the weekend did such an amazing job uh, doing it. Uh, you, the only thing missing uh, was Wes. And and so there's that part of it that keeps it bittersweet. But everything else about it was frankly beautiful. And Ricky, like as Mark was saying, like us all hanging out together, you know, the inside jokes start to pile up. And we were doing all these different adventures together. Uh, it, it was a great way to honor uh, Wes. It was so much fun. And, you know, as you can you can hear by my voice, there was one point, I think it was Sunday <laughs> night, where Greg told me to just stop talking because it was hurting everyone in the room. Because we're just yelling, we're screaming at each other, like loving. And it was, we're playing, we're playing Root, you know, beer pong. We're, Your voice these... was next level, though. It was oh. like... It was an adolescent boy at the precise moment he became a man, but just like always. And See, I was just like, you, you got you to gotta put a pin in this and try to recover for tomorrow. Opinions right vary, though. I was kind of into it, Ricky. Right. So, you know, sure. And you sure. let me know that many, yeah. many yeah. times. Mike lo- Dan loves adolescent boys. You know. <laughs> oh, it was such an awesome, awesome weekend. And I couldn't have, you know, the house that, that you guys just talked about was so cool. It was like three floors. We were all together. Like it was the perfect mix. Greg didn't stay there, so it was amazing. Yeah, like it was we all like it was so great. Like we had so much fun. Dan, the morning of the softball game, starts putting on the Bose speaker, put me in coach, <laughs> and he's blasting it. And we had to get up really early because, you know, the powers that be put the softball game very, very early in the morning after we'd been up drinking. And uh Jet was like asleep in the room and Dan busts into the room with the Bose speaker and starts <laughs> playing Put Me In Coach. Like it was just it was I just am so in love with you guys and all the people that loved Wes and it's just like my heart is so full after this weekend. Well it, it, it was fun to see like the the combo. I, I you know, I stayed with Rosie and Wayne, uh two of Wes's uh, closest friends who I had stayed with uh, another time, you know, when, when Wes and Keisha and I went out there in 2018. And that was one of my favorite things to see from the weekend was like the mixing um, of some new new L.A. characters with some Tybee characters and getting to know some of the Tybee people and getting to know Chris's you know brothers in a different way. It was a big Tim Wesseling weekend for me, at least. I feel like he was like a star of Wesseling. And seeing, for instance, our, our producer on the TV side, Matt Tanton, in this cornhole tournament that that we all had, which Dan was fantastic in, 
Mm. Uh, I think could have could have won it and lost a, a tight semifinal game. But I got it beat was... by a guy called the Terminator in yeah. the semifinals. Actually, Colleen was my partner. Colleen was throwing great corn. We were a co-ed team, and we were wiping out all these like island yep. folk who thought they're pooped in and stink. Well, it stunk. It stunk something rotten. Uh, but the Terminator <laughs> just barely edged us out. Uh, right. But the, yeah, uh, Wesling Brothers won anyway, ultimately, and that was great as well. Yeah, it was, it was fitting that it, that Phil and Larry won the tournament. But in, I think it was a first-round matchup, and I'm watching uh, two, of, two of our friends, Matt Tan and Emily Mitchka, go against uh, two Tybee folk. And Tan, you know, Tan's a competitive guy, and he's going against <laughs> uh, Denise, uh, one, of, one of Wes's good friends. Um, Firecracker. Who... I was shocked to see still standing at that time of the night. You know, she talked earlier, like 3 p.m., you know, sometimes is bedtime. Um, the way that she was around 1 or 2, we, we, we were getting, at, getting after earlier today. And she is standing next to Matt, not in great shape, and she is wiping the floor with him. And she is... T- <laughs> Poor Tanton, he can't even she defend is, himself. She is talking, she is talking <laughs> trash. I mean, it, it's a team game, but she's talking trash. She's like, who's winning right now? And I'm like, you're winning 14 to 2, dumbass. Like, and it was like... <laughs> It was just like really hilarious to like watch this interaction and him walk over and just be like, I can't believe I lost to that. Uh, uh, it was, it was very low um, PR reaction to Sessler and Mitchka, A, destroying Dan and Gonzo and Beer Pong. Ooh, and then go. the whole room clears out because it's like, oh, Dan and Gonzo are out of the competition. So there's no heat around this anymore. And then we devastate Ricky and Jet. Mm. And I, there's no, there's no buzz around it afterwards. So I'm, I'm investigating great, the response. It's not part to of the that. tournament. Well, yeah. That's because a great, there was a, a lot of it, Mark, and great performance by you. Um, was that feels this, like a throwaway, but fair. this millennial Gen Z version of beer pong slash Beirut that's going on now. And I understand we're in a, a COVID world right now, um, but they don't put the beer in the cups. Uh, now they put water in the cups and then yeah, and then you drink your own drink and then you drink yeah, your own drink. Sense. And it's like all these kids don't understand that the whole rush of the game is the payoff and having to <laughs> take the swigs of the beer and all this stuff. I just thought you guys had stripped away the elements of the game mm. in such a way, uh, youth of America, uh, that the old timers, the, the, the old guard, uh, it's not I'm not shouting. I'm not shaking my fist at the cloud. I'm telling you, you made it worse. Fix Beirut. No. Fix beer pong. Bring it back to the way it was. Bring the spirit back to the game, and uh, the crowds, Mark, will come. Speaking of crowds, when Connie and I were in the semifinals against the Terminator, there was like it was in it was like eleven o'clock at night. There, I feel like there were fifty, or it felt like a thousand people watching us every throw. The crowd going nuts. That's Tybee. Tybee is just a, a fun place where you get loose and have fun. And I totally understand uh, why Wes loved it there. So oh, much. Yeah. Dan, and tell it, them tell them the power of who my partner was by the luck of the draw. Oh, that was great. And 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 your partner, Eric, and this was perfect irony because, you know, you're a little weird with this stuff. La Cid, <laughs> one of uh, the great legends on Mount Rushmore of producers for the Around the NFL podcast. She joined us. She was one of the um, heroes uh, in Tybee Island. And by luck of the draw, Ricky, who always has, you know, little hangups about La Cid because she was so damn good at her job. And I miss her. And I think about her all the time. And she's got an amazing <laughs> voice. She, and she's yeah, got a okay. career on the upswing. And she's found a, a, a wonderful na- man named Bronson, which who thought that was a name that was still uh, in the mix. Uh, but you, I have to say, Erica, <laughs> before we get into the news, you really did comport yourself well 
with Sydney, knowing she was there, knowing that we wanted her there. Uh, good for you. You're you're growing up right before our eyes. Thank you. Yeah, unfortunately, I really, really, really wanted to hate her, but mm. she's so sweet. <laughs> she's so nice. And Dan put her in a laundry closet and I had a master bedroom. So I think that's all that needs to be said about that. I would explain I mean, the, that, the but I kind of like it more just... just like leaving it at that. Yeah. Uh, Erica could not take it, though. When we took a picture with Sydney, she started like twitching and screaming and, and then insisted I was, on like, coming into that picture. Horrible so. voice. Hey, hey. <laughs> I, I, I was we we're getting okay. ready to take a picture. And then I heard like, ah, and I looked to the swamp <laughs> to see if a creature was crawling towards us. But it was Erica down the driveway wanting to get in the photo. Let's do some news. The citizens of Tybee Island dedicate this field to West. A man who loved the game and mm. called this little island home. Let's play ball. Awesome. Awesome job by the people at Tybee. They they named one of the, the primary softball field there, Wesseling Field. It is that forever. Uh, and a plaque also was put right behind home plate that um, Lakeisha helped drill right into the wall with uh, Eric, one of the locals there who... Um, runs Huckapoo's, the bar that we all love, uh, and was Wes's bar. And again, we've heard this before, Huckapoo's gets people take journeys to go to where Wes went uh, and hung out uh, during his time in in Georgia. Uh, Listeners of the show will travel as far as from Austria, uh, one listener, uh, just to have a beer at Huckapoo's. And uh, I... Listen, you don't need an excuse to go to Tybee, uh, but if you do want to see this whole place and see the bar and experience the food, I went to a place called the Seawolf four days in a row that had awesome charbroiled oysters and great drinks. And then you could visit Wesseling Field with the sign and the plaque and know that's mm. that's where this all went down uh, this weekend. Awesome. Yeah, you're, you're wearing awesome. that. You're wearing the shirt uh, from the game, which does. And and you're right about them doing an Oscar. Eric, you know, Eric Dubuque, who I, I think helped push that through, you know, town council and Jason Buelderman, his friend, the former mayor who, who spoke and Eric from Huckapoo's were all amazing. But the one thing that the Huckapoo side of it was it was a little untoward is for this softball game. They basically bring in ringers from out of town that never even were on the softball team with West. The only These thing guys, they didn't get right the whole the, weekend. You know, huge, huge guns and they're wearing baseball uniforms. We're batting everyone. You know, we've got all of all of our girls that wanted to play. Everyone that wanted to play got to play. We, you know, we're, we're playing. We're competitive. We put some rum, runs up at first and they've got these mashers that they bring in from out of town. So we see you, Huckapoos. And uh, and we're gonna come back with some ringers of our own next time. Well, to the point where um, you know, I was st- I was standing Please. as an observer with with Emily Hansis, and Emily Hansis commented on one of these two gigantic um, men's thighs um, probably thirty to forty times during the game. I don't know, Dan, if that um, led to any further discussions with you, but she she was uh, plugged in on those performers. I was unaware of that, but I will be having a very serious sit down with her right after. Sure. Uh, today's program. Emily yeah, is so clean funny. It <laughs> she was, it was Dan ridiculous. made a play. Dan made a play, and she's screaming, "That's my baby!" But Dan <laughs> didn't get the guy out. He like didn't out. throw the. It was he didn't throw it to first base in time. And Emily's uh, screaming like, "That's my baby!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was fun. It was fun. All right, uh, let's get into it. Ricky, listen, your heart is filled with love about our trip uh, to Tybee Island. And then we get back. You're in L.A. I'm on the Jersey Shore with family right now. Um, and news breaks on Monday 
that we have our first openly gay, active NFL player in our midst. It is Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib took to Instagram, and this is what the 28-year-old had to say. I just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Um, but until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. And I'm going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. They're an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. And they're truly doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to be a part of it to help in any way that I can. And I'm really pumped to see what the future holds. The Trevor Project provides crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to the LGBTQ uh, community. And Ricky, um, I thought it was notable how he started that. I want to take a quick moment to say I'm gay. And then he said, it doesn't need to be this blown out, overwrought exercise. It's supposed to be normal because it's normal all around us now. Um, how did you feel about that and um, wh what this means? Yeah, I mean, it really did bring me to tears last night reading about it and reading some of the comments and everyone coming out in support of him. You know, when, when you when you see someone post something like that, you instantly go to the comments because you're like, here's all these people that want to, you know, boycott the NFL and everyone's got, oh, he's not going to want to shower with teammates now or teammates aren't going to, you know, you see that kind of stuff. But a lot of the comments, especially from players right now, were so positive and so just moving to see. And, and to me, it's, you know, when I watch football as a kid, I watch, you know, football because I love the game. And when I look at it, they're men playing. And so I know that I'm not going to grow up and be a football player. But there are a lot of young boys, especially, that grow up watching football that could be like, I want to be a football player, but I'm a little different than what is considered normal. So there's not a place for me there. And it seems so weird. And a lot of people are commenting like, why does it matter? Why does it matter? But it actually really does. Like, you can be a tough, masculine, you know, great player in the NFL, and who cares who you love? It doesn't have to be this huge, this huge thing. And to me, that is so moving. And, you know, we, we did our Pride cast. Pride is supposed to be fun and full of love. But there are so many people who think they're better off dead than loving who they love. And just to see someone that they can look up at the TV – and know that it's okay and their players accept them. The media is covering it in an accepting way. Like it, it really gives me chills because it's like, look, you can be whoever you want to be and you have a place here in this league. It's amazing because it's been seven years since Michael Sam. I mean, Michael Sam is, you know, on practice squads. He's on a roster. He, he, he wasn't. Uh, a guy like Nassib, who's, what, on his third contract now uh, with the Raiders. He actually, I think, took a pay cut to stay with the Raiders uh, this year. You know, he had been with the Browns and, and the Bucks before that. You know, solid solid player. But I, I, it really hit me, actually, during our Pride episode. It was like how, you know, how, uh, how little the NFL has, how 
come in the last seven years, like since that happened, or baseball or, or basketball. It's like kind of wild that these firsts are still happening, and it's great the way he did it. Um, I love um, that he's also like directing people's energy towards suicide prevention and mental illness along with LGBTQ, and that's like that's amazing too. And it's and it's great because no one ultimately like even if he's trying to and he's trying to limit the exposure and you know media and you can tell he's not going to be like trying to do a bunch of feature articles and stuff like that it is hard and it's a big deal because no one else has done it and there's tons of gay players in the league at all times you know one of the things that struck me was warren moon uh sent a tweet out and he was like this is so awesome to see i had so many gay teammates over the years this is warren moon you know playing in the 80s and 90s which of course has always been true it's ne- it's never not been true in the NFL, and he and it wasn't a big deal among us. We were supportive, um, and it was great, you know, for them. But obviously, it really wasn't as comfortable for them, um, and and certainly not to go public, or else this would have been happening. And so this this happening hopefully um, just makes it easier for everyone moving forward. I think of you know beyond the the football side of it. And it is incredible. I mean, honestly, it, there were 50, you, there were Warren Moon knew people and everyone in a, in a locker room would, but had that gone public, it would have been absolutely right. It wouldn't have been dangerous for like that this. player. And you know what, what he mentioned today, Nassib or yesterday about the fact that he's agonized um, over this for 15 years. That's the personal side because like we all have, um, sort of so many worlds within us like you can't just put people into a category and leave them in a suppressed state when i think about someone agonizing for 15 years over their authentic genuine person who they really are because carl nassib you know we've not heard him talk that much but he was on the browns hard knocks and i think he struck us as someone that was unique um super interesting <laughs> And like, not like really a, into finances. Yeah. Like he, he was sort of stealing <laughs> the show. Um, but I think that when he also says that he did not do this um, simply for attention because he is a private person, that felt very real to me. And it's tilted now to some degree where we can't have uh, young people feeling unsupported by any adult figure in their life and going through a 15 year agonizing process. And that's where I think in, in, in our country, it's changing a little bit. I'm not saying it's perfect or easy at all, but we're much better off than we were 20 years ago on that front. And, you know, we had someone after our show in West Hollywood, a listener, a male listener, write uh, us privately and say, thank you so much because like, I'm a football fan, but I don't feel really lit, heard on that front. Like I am, I'm seen as like a different type of football fan than the typical guy or girl you'd think follows the NFL. And it was like to have you guys go just celebrate Ricky, but just kind of be, have a real talk about the whole thing. I mean, I'm in a bit of different place than I was 10, 15 years ago on the topic too. So it's like, but you got to keep evolving. Seven years ago. I mean, we sure. were at Radio City Music Hall when the Michael Sam draft pick happened. Um, and... It does feel, and Erica, you're much more equipped to tell us how you feel about this. To me, from where I stand, it does feel like there's been progress even since then. And I don't think um, comment sections are one thing, because comment sections could be horrible places. Um, but I'm more thinking about um, locker rooms and players giving interview after interviews after the fact when after the fact when they're asked during training camp if they would be comfortable. Seven years ago, I would not be surprised if there was a lot of sound bites coming out with guys that are afraid of what they don't understand. 
saying uh, critical comments about could I play with a gay teammate? I don't think that's going to happen anymore because I think, A, there's a greater understanding of this. And B, people understand that that's not acceptable to even have that opinion and share it in public. Um, so I think it's going to work out very well for Nassib in the sense that I don't think it, and we'll see, but I, I, I think he'll be able to go on with his career and not feel like he's in an uncomfortable place. And then, Ricky, the positive thing, I think, and the thing if, if this really spins forward, because we know there are many, many gay um, players in the NFL right now beyond Carl Nassib if he opens the floodgates and more people uh, follow him down this path. Yeah, I, that's that's my hope, and not because, you know, I, everyone – I just want everyone to be who they are and be who you love, and you can still play football, and you can still be a great player. So I think the Michael Sam thing, like you said, so long ago was so long ago, even though it was only seven years. And it's it's the personal aspect that Mark said. Like, if I check into a hotel with Jet, they're still asking me, do you want two full beds? I have to come out essentially every single time I go somewhere. Mm. And I am still scared, even in a big city like L.A. or a place like Tybee Island where it's Georgia. And it's like Jet and I have to be like, well, we got, we're with everyone we love, but we got to be careful here. And there's that, that goes through my head every day. And growing up, it was like, if my friends or family find out about this, they will not love me. I will not have anyone. I will not have my friends. I will lose everything. So for him, when he said he'd been agonizing over this, he literally is coming out to the public to be like, hey, this is me. I'm still going to play football, knowing very well that there's a huge population that is essentially going to write him off. And his career could be affected, his livelihood, his his every single thing and and it's so brave to me it is so brave for what he did and i hope that so many other players if they feel that way feel comfortable like it's about time it's like just let's all there's been so much progress i think especially in this last year around so many different issues and i think the world as crazy as it has it has been has also made so many steps in the right direction it's interesting to me, and that's so well said, uh, Ricky, and in your personal stories, um, I don't know, puts it puts it into perspective. I and I'm I'm thinking about the football part of it just a little bit. It's sort of fitting he's on the Raiders. N- no, like no one did more um, in terms of like an ownership level or a friendship level of like breaking barriers in terms of civil rights and players and coaches and black coaches and players and seeing black quarterback, like seeing, seeing them differently than Al Davis. So it's, it is kind of cool to see Mark Davis um, and, and John Gruden, of course, with like a quick statement, very supportive and everything. And, and it totally fits um, with the other side of like the Raiders image. Everyone thinks of them as kind of like the bad boys and all that, but they were pretty ahead of things in the sixties and seventies compared to the rest of the culture. Yep. And they handled that very well. They yep. they got out there right in front of it. And um, good for the Raiders. Great for Carl Nassib. And the whole movement, Ricky. That's awesome. Good times for Ricky. <laughs> Found yeah. a woman she loves. She's Huge. having great times with her friends in Tybee. Yep. Nassib. Icing on the cake, baby. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. All right. Uh, let's move on. Hey. Um, <laughs> Another social news. Um, the NFLPA, the union, and uh, the NFL uh, 
jointly agreed to a policy on COVID-19 protocols. And the policy, which, which applies to training camp and the preseason, heavily restricts unvaccinated players while allowing vaccinated players to return uh, to near normalcy, the way things were before coronavirus turned the world upside down. Cole Beasley, as we all know, um, is a um, successful wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. He's also very outspoken uh, in his feelings on the COVID vaccine, and he's not for it. So after speaking with uh, the NFL and the union about the policy, which he believes to be unfair, he had this to say in what he called a public service announcement on social media. I will be outside doing what I do. I'll be out in public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated. I may die of COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. Mark, he also said, went on to say, I'm not going to take a med, take meds for a leg that isn't broken. Um, and he goes on and on and on. This is a situation we've been strong in our feelings on this podcast. We're, we share our opinions. That's what we do here. Uh, we are all pro-vaccine. That's why we're all together on Tybee Island because uh, we're all vaccinated and having fun. Cole Beasley speaks for another segment of the population that's bigger than I think people realize, some people, depending where you are in the country. Um, and it is it is an issue in the NFL because there is a schism here uh, in locker rooms as we turn toward a season that they're trying to move away from COVID-19, uh, but this vaccine situation is causing some ripples. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for, for some of the more outspoken coaches like a Bruce Arians, um, yeah, I think it puts them into a tough spot and it is a carryover from last year being tough in a lot of spots where it is a personal choice. Um, but this is a workplace and there are advantages to teams, especially in terms of just preparing for games, practicing, um, growing as a team. If everyone uh, gets vaccinated, you don't have to continue to do the same rules as last year. I mean, the thing is like I, when it, when it's all playing out on Twitter and stuff, um, for me personally, I just sort of stay away from it because I I I I made my own decision, and Cole Beasley can make his own decision too. I don't I don't really agree with some of the way he's sort of framing this on terms of like I don't if you know I don't need to get surgery on my leg before something's wrong. So this is this is essentially I mean what I view it as as a way to protect other people and to protect yourself. Um, there are people that question vaccines in general. We know that. I wonder if Cole Beasley's um, point here extends to all vaccines or if it's, you know, suspicion around this one. I, I really don't have a lot of energy to go flame him or destroy his decision, but it's complex. Um, I think it's a problem for teams if you've got a big chunk of, pe- chunk of people doing this and you've got reaction inside the locker room, um, probably almost a bigger reaction than Carl Nassib if this thing goes on. But that's where I leave, that's where I leave it. For me. Well, the the, the 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 incentives to get vaccinated in the NFL now are huge, and we've seen as mini camps were wrapping up, more and more players were getting them. The coaches were indicating that the, the Steelers mentioned sort of like they had the league lead in in vaccination rate, and Tomlin's really pushed it hard. And you get a lot of benefits if you can get over the eighty five percent number. And I think a lot of teams believe before camp and before the season, these guys are going to get vaccinated because of some of those incentives. Uh, you can't leave town during the bye week. <laughs> you have to go to the facility every week, every day during your bye week instead of instead of traveling. But for the ones that don't, you know, the thing that gets that I, I'm with you, Mark, I didn't have, I thought like I wanted to comment on Twitter or, or care about everyone dunking on him. Like, what's the point? 
But I do, you know, I, and I'm stealing, I heard Bomani Jones say this. It's like, at what point can we be judgmental? So it's like these players who play through torn ACLs and they're warriors of the game and we're going to do everything we possibly can to be there for our teammates and to win. You're making the choice. I might not be available when it matters. So that's ultimately what NFL players are going to do. Some players have, you know, gotten COVID lately, you know, Buda Baker, uh, chasing on Jacksonville. They miss mini camps, this or that, but you're, you're just kind of deciding like it's quite possible. I'm just going to like let my team down in a big spot. And that's part of it. I'm not saying like that, that has to be your number right. one concern, you're right. but you're making that decision. I mean, I I'm kind of amazed that, that Chris Paul, for instance, like isn't, isn't taking worry. I actually think people are being quite sensitive to everyone making their own decisions because it's like if you missed the conference championship for any other very easy uh, reason that you could have you know, avoided, like people would kill him. If you know, right. people kill Lou Williams for going to get hot wings, you know, it's to me, it's not, it's not too different. Um, Major League Baseball is a good um, case to study on a parallel lane here uh, because they have thirty teams in that league, and twenty-two of the teams, and it's the same percentage that they ask you to hit to relax the protocols uh 85% and at the beginning of June 22 of the 30s 30 had hit that hmm. threshold and then they checked in on it this week and it's still 22 and so that's stalled out and I would not be surprised if it that turns into a similar percentage um in the NFL because to what and I don't agree on, on any level with Cole Beasley um uh, but what he did also say was that there are a lot more people like me in the league uh, than people realize, and he's trying to give them a voice. So I think there are a lot of Cole Beasley types in the league that are not going to get the vaccine, and it's going to make things not just more difficult for them, but their teammates, beyond the chance of missing games and getting sick, uh, all these restrictions that are going to be in place all season. How does that, as Mark said, how does that not potentially create issues in a locker room during a long season, uh, which is a, a gauntlet with the practices, the games, the rehabs, uh, you finally get a bye week and, and you won't be able to even go home potentially. So they always you know, say like the locker drama. room is what they miss the most when they retire. And the, the two locker room experiences in 2021 are going to be very different for vaccinated, unvaccinated. I was thinking about that because some quarterbacks, you know, it, that seemed like Lamar. It's not just the ones that have gotten, you know, Lamar's ex- expressed hesitancy. Sam Darnold, of course, there's been a few. It, it just... We'll see. I think it'll be a little bit of a different world in July when the training camp comes. I think a lot it more. Maybe, but I don't. I don't think it, it was just completely. based around yeah. time frame. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In other news, Tom Brady. That's a that's another name in this conversation. Buccaneers yeah. quarterback Tom Brady appears on the new episode of The Shop: Colon Uninterrupted on HBO. I mean, in general, with a show title, if you're going to put a colon in there. I mean, it's really got to, you know, it better be there for a reason. It's got to be there for a reason. Just call it the shop or just call it uninterrupted. You call it the shop. Uninterrupted is the company. They're trying, they're trying to extend the LeBron <laughs> hey, movie brand. But you're right. It's bad. It's not a I great title. It, it's bad. I understand. I'm just making a statement myself. No, it's, no, I, I, Maybe it, this it, one has it's, ripples it's, like Cole Beasley. Maybe it's a huge news story, but that's how I feel. Get the colons out of there. I couldn't agree more with you, by the way. It makes my head spin, stuff like that. And I don't care about the, the corporate interests. It, it does not roll off the tongue. It stops you. It doesn't work. It doesn't anyway, work. so Brady was in the barbershop talking to LeBron and the boys. And uh, he was asked about last 
a spring or last March when he was a free agent for the first time in his NFL career. And he had this to say about one unnamed NFL franchise during his hunt for a new team. One of the teams, and they weren't interested at the very end. I was thinking, you're sticking with that mother. <laughs> All right. So the question is, why didn't he just say uh, the 49ers uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> You think right? that, yeah, you think that's I mean, Derek the Carr different... came to mind, but I think uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders popped in my head as well. But well, then I kind of started Trubisky? ticking off the teams. What's Mitch that? Trubisky. The, Bear, the Bears had interest in Tom Brady, Ooh. and they stuck with Mitch Trubisky. I, you know, everyone went hot on Jimmy G out of the gate on this. And, uh, you know, Tennessee, um, they flirted a little bit with Tom Brady. And they stuck with Ryan Tannehill. And maybe if you're Tom Brady, you're thinking, what are you doing there? Although Ryan, Tannehill's been good. Um, I mean, Trubisky I, came the, to my mind. The other one, other than Jimmy G, that popped up. And yeah, you said Carr, but uh, and maybe you wouldn't use this word, but I think it's the one that was the most likely to happen or the closest was the Saints. You know, I think Sean Payton really wanted, I really no. looked into. Oh, no. we've heard. I mean, they looked into it and they were seeing if they could forcibly like they they went into the last off season thinking I believe that Drew Brees was going to retire. And then it got it got a it got a little hairy, and uh, Brady probably wouldn't have said that's that about not, Brady. I don't that. think Brady would no, ever no, no, say no, no, that no. about he, Drew Brees. But do you that remember is, that after... is the sliding doors. The Saints they wanted Patrick Mahomes, they didn't get him, and they wanted Tom Brady, and they didn't have the guts to do it. And you know, Saints fans are dying that they didn't when the Bucks end up winning the Super Bowl. I, I think Tom Brady has a lot of respect for Drew Brees. I think he views him you're as right, an equal. You're right in a lot of ways or close to it. So I don't think he would even refer to him offhandedly or in a joking manner, even in the shop. Good point. Good point. Good point. I don't uh, think he would with Jimmy G either though. I think here's I, the thing. I think. Here, well, here's the thing. Jimmy G was like a little brother in his own locker room. And he was the guy that was the source of a lot of drama in new England about, uh, you know, potentially uh, Belichick and Robert Kraft coming um, to uh, not blows, but they had a disagreement about, who they should go in with, that whole story. We don't need to go down that route. And then you have in San Francisco, this is why to me it's Jimmy G. San Francisco, if you think where they were last year, they're coming off the Super Bowl. Even though they might have some misgivings about Jimmy G, it wasn't to me as clear that they needed to get better at the position. I think going into last season, you still felt like Jimmy G could be their guy long term. And I understand Brady, I think, could you know, he mm. always wanted to be drafted by the Niners. He, that's where he grew up. That just seems to me what it is. But, uh, you know, it's fun. Well, this is a good June story. Here's the thing, though. Perfect. I like <laughs> it stops me. His what he actually said. Tom Brady, how, how often does he do you hear him drop F-bombs? I mean, he referred to the player as a mother F-bomb. Um, that's how hey, he's I, in I, the th- shop, though, Mark. All right, in the I, shop. Get, I get it. Maybe it's maybe gets a little the, loose. The platform's a little different. But a and there were whispers that he and Jimmy G were not necessarily the best of friends um and you and you paint you painted the scenario of, of how that all ended but Ooh. i feel like he's got you've got to um look at what the type of player he's talking about jimmy g had just been to the super bowl he's being paid a ton of guaranteed money the bears couldn't pull this off and at some point word got back we're comfortable with mitch trubisky we're sticking with him and tom brady has no relationship with mitch trubisky is <laughs> probably thinking what on earth are you doing chicago no mark sold me i mark nope, you sold that's me. not right you know why because i don't think the bears were sold on mitch trubisky going into last season they had gotten nick Foles in the building they knew they probably had messed up but they were going to give him one more chance and then they quickly benched him i think they were 
if they could have gotten Tom Brady, I think they would have they would have went mm. for that. How about I, this next level? What if it was actually about Nick Foles, who he is not he does not like what happened between him and Nick Foles <laughs> on Super Bowl okay. Sunday. See, that one I like a little bit more. What about Drew Locke up there in Denver? Because the Broncos well, thought we they know had they, themselves they were, a yeah, franchise QB. They were never. You guys thought they did. A lot of Broncos fans in my mentions thought they had a young franchise QB. Jimmy G. Broncos fans in my mentions. Where are you guys? I don't. (laughs) I don't remember what happened about that. I know they're very down. I actually think like the roster is great, and they don't want to. They don't want to hear that now that now they've gone too far the other way. I mean, Jimmy G. famously only went to San Francisco because the Forty Niners called wanting Tom Brady, and the Patriots called back, being like, "You want Jimmy G." Also, Jimmy G a little bit, a little bit hotter than Tom Brady, and I think that was on Brady's radar because, well, yeah. You know, well, that's I, I, that's you know. I have the beholder stuff. I don't. Yeah. you can't just say Jimmy G is hotter than Tom Brady. That's just your. Go if back. You, that maybe you think he's hotter. We have a solid like three hundred minutes of podcast content on this very topic in in twenty thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I think. <laughs> Ricky, how about this progress? Even on this podcast, just openly, like who's hotter? Like which dude is better looking? Uh, Tom Brady or Jimmy G, you you you're a big Patriots fan. Where you come yeah. down on that? Uh, you know, I gotta go Tom here. I do love the dark haired, you know, Jimmy G look. Um, but something about his jawline to me, it's it's TV. It's TV twelve. Okay, mm. I'm with you. I think Jimmy G is a little too swarthy for my for my uh, liking. And Tom Brady just on, has been uh, a little Jimmy too G's, boyish. Uh, how about you plugging on those uh, cheekbones? Cheekbones are great, around. but you know, I I need a, if I'm gonna have a man, it's got to be a man, you know. I need Tom <laughs> nice, Brady. <Ricky. laughs> All right, here we go. Ricky, you just come out of straight just now. What what just happened there? I don't know. A lot's <laughs> happening. No, no, no. It's just like it, if I have to, you know, if I have to pick. Right, right. I I, I, I don't pick. know. Uh, yeah, I I understand where you're like coming. it. Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know what have to means. That feels sorted, but. That seems like a tough situation. All right, let's let's move on. All right, uh, Rams coach Sean McVay. I mean, it's a love affair uh, there in Los Angeles with a new quarterback. Um, and here's what McVay had to say about Matt Stafford about to start his first season with the Rams after that long run it, uh, with the Lions, bro. <laughs> Who's he talking to? Bert talking to Bert Breer. Yeah, bro. Let me just, well, let me cite this correctly on SI.com. Bro, this dude's a bad MFer. Whatever people say about him, as good as it can be, he's even better than advertised. Sizzler, how about that? I mean, the the, the hype train is rolling uh, yeah, in it Inglewood. Is. It is. I and, and I know that, again, I, Sean McVay keeps saying this isn't, you know, these aren't comments uh, as a reflection of Jared Goff. But if you're Jared Goff reading this, this is sort of like, Getting into a new relationship, listing everything that your last partner uh, lacked. And, you know, um, Ricky, I want to just play this one little thing. This is what it reminded me of when I read the, the quote. Can we bring this up, Ricky? What has happened to you? <laughs> yeah, that moment, which we, you know, which was a truly strange moment in our society where Tom Cruise is, you know, on the Oprah couch talking about Katie Holmes, and he's out of his mind. He's just, he has fallen deeply in love. And I, coaches do this That's all the time to that? some degree. That's how you read that? Have I what? That's how you read that Tom Cruise That's moment? the first thing that I thought of was just that there's this level of um, mm. zeal and fascination um, between these two. 
And what Stafford's teammates have said about him in Detroit, um, it checks out. Like TJ Hawkinson said he was the basically the best player he's ever been around as a person. So I think there's a lot, there's a higher like emotional IQ going on with Stafford and the field stuff's all there. So McVay is in heaven. He, well, I, I thought this story is funny just because it's been like a plot line this year is Sean McVay getting annoyed at reporters who like notice how happy he is. He's just like, everyone says I'm in a happier mood this season and off season. I am. I think Sean McVay just kind of, that's how he is. It's the off season. He's blowing smoke uh, about the quarterback. I'm sure he is happy. Uh, and everyone's taking it as this funny story. I, I am intrigued, though, Mark, about your interpretation of the Tom Cruise moment because I thought that was such a classic moment in the end because it was kind of like, I, hey, I'm Tom Cruise. I, I am trying to be as human as possible. Uh, how do I convey that I actually am in love with this other human uh, in the way that will convince the most people uh, and then he just like kind of went a little too big. Like the director needed to come in and be like, okay, let's, let's take it down a notch here, here, Tom, that doesn't quite work for us, <laughs> but it was like a live interview show and he had no idea what was happening. I think, I'd uh, love to hear Dan's take on this too, but I, I think yeah. that there is a part of that, that now was that, was that marriage completely 100% authentic? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have the answer to that one, but he is nothing if not um, ceremonial and um, built of like total internal fire. And he's going to I think that is sort of is Tom Cruise, because there's like if you go look up Tom Cruise interviews, there's 20 or 30 where he loses his cool. Make, like, make, I mean, he's got a little cruise to him, like uh, endless energy and optimism and a, and, a, and a big per- force of personality. I think, first of all, I love Tom Cruise, the actor. Right. I love about 14 of his movies at a high level. So let me say that. Um Secondly, with the Oprah interview, I think he called his crisis, his crisis management team uh, before the interview. He's like, guys, we got to figure out how to make me human. What do I do? And then they gave <laughs> yeah, him the advice, like, and then he went way too broad with it. Exactly. And then he had to call the crisis management team right back after the interview. He's like, guys, um, they, have, they all know I'm a f-ing maniac. What do I do? How do we fix this? And the, the crisis management team was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to. It was like that cartoon sound, like the feet running. They ran away. Um, I think his whole life has been a performance for like 35, 40 years. So it's hard to discern what is real or not. That's true. Uh, In other news, it's been about three months since the allegations uh, connected to Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson first went public. Uh, The Texans will report for training camp next month. The NFL has not made any decision as of yet on whether Deshaun Watson will be allowed to report to training camp or if he'll be put on leave. There are 22 active lawsuits pending against Watson uh, connected to alleged misconduct during numerous massage sessions. And Watson's attorney, Rusty Hardin, told KPRC TV in Houston that the NFL has not yet interviewed Watson regarded regarding the allegations um this is interesting greg to me because this is a mondo story this is a top five quarterback in the nfl and the these allegations are big and they're everywhere and you would think the nfl this is something that and maybe there's something we don't know and um and they're kind of keeping things on the down low but i don't know why rusty harden wouldn't be honest about it. Why hasn't the NFL begun this process of figuring out what they're going to do uh, with Deshaun Watson? 
I think I think they're along the way, but this story to me is interesting that it's so far from being over. I, I guess in these situations, they've traditionally talked to the accused last. So what you know, talking to Watson, I guess, would be the last thing that they did. Um, but this civil case has a while. It doesn't seem like there's any settlement coming anytime soon. And the fact they haven't talked to Watson indicates to me that the NFL's part of it is is possibly even longer. And so that's just the timeline of it all just feels like they're not close and they they're there's no real expectation to think they will be close, you know, based on a football calendar, based on training camp or based on week one or anything. And it just feels like the most likely outcome in the short term is continued uncertainty for a while, like that there just won't be an answer and they'll put them on some list or whatever they decide to do. But that's it. Yeah, commissioner's exempt list would be, you know, they Which created get, that. He, you get paid when you're on that list. Yeah, there's different ways mistaken. to do it. So that yeah. I'm not that interested in that, but it just doesn't even seem like it's close. It just doesn't seem like it's something that Doesn't that feel like expect. a half measure, by the way? Like, if you're going to take Well, I don't think that would be their the field, full measure. Wouldn't be the fi- they would say it wouldn't right. be their final thing. You know, it's just but, a, a holding pattern. It just doesn't, to me, that I don't, that, I, I don't know who who's happy with that ending, other than, the NFL making this guy disappear for a while. Well, that's also training camp, too. I think you, it's a good point, Dan, because I think week one when he actually is getting paid real money. I mean, training camp, you're not getting paid money, really. Um, you might be on to something. That that's where the money aspect of it also really comes into play, and the Texans are going to have their feelings about that, and the, and the NFL might, too, and the, the battle might be brewing there, too. I mean, it's complex. Wasn't it always, though, a long shot that a case like this was going to have a full robust investigation completed by July just because training camp needs to start. No, I mean, you're right. You know, I thought there was a chance there might be a settlement and all that, and then it'll move along. Um, but it doesn't seem like it. I mean, he is, yes, he is denied wrongdoing in all these cases. There's, yep. um, so I just, my, my whole point is if you just take him off the field because it's an ugly thing and then he misses a season, um, you could understand from his perspective why he would be upset that you're you're benching me in in the middle of my prime. I didn't, according to him, I didn't do anything. Um, but yes, there's a there's a messiness to this. I guess the other the other way to look at it is you let him play as the legal process continues to play out, and then maybe this gets settled down the line ahead of maybe next season. But I understand why that isn't necessarily the prudent way to go on this because these allegations are very serious. It's, but it's, it's, it's the, the, the other note, he also doesn't want to play for the Texans. So there are like multiple right. thorny I think scenarios. Sh- I feel like that once. ship, right? That ship has to have sailed uh, at least for 2021, right? I mean, he doesn't have any trade value right now, right? Right. But the Texans, I think, are also, I think that's at this point, they're, that's mutual. And it'd be shocking in any scenario, I think, if he ever put on their uniform again. Hmm. We'll see about that. That's it's wow. What what a situation. All right. In other news, blotter time. Remember the college newspapers? Always the yes. best part of any university or college uh, newspaper was the blotter. You could see who got arrested for, you know, peeing in the quad. Right. Not even arrested. You would just get like cited by campus police. But your name ends up in the blotter on the on the newspaper. It happened to Greg many times down in New Orleans. Right. He had a pretty, uh, you know, hazy, dark period down there. 
Greg, what was your worst? Non-tall man found in diaper <laughs> I behind spent the dumpster. night in Orleans Parish Prison. I mean, that wasn't in the in the campus newspaper. That was, um, I kept my eyes open. <laughs> one of my one of my friends slept. I was impressed in a in a tank, you know, a, a room full of thirty thirty uh, people. Um. Anyway, uh, this is not good news for the Chiefs. Uh, defensive end Frank Clark arrested Sunday night in Los Angeles for felony illegal possession of a firearm, according to a police report. Clark had an Uzi in a duffel bag in his SUV. I mean, what is he a bad guy in an '80s action movie? What do you got a Uzi for? Listen, call me out of touch or not not connected to what's going on with Frank Clark in his life. An Uzi? Well, do you guys know right. what an Uzi is? It's not the one re- I mean, I do and the I 80s don't. Movies, the bad yeah. guys. I mean, he Mini it's machine the thing, gun. The thing that's crazy though is since this story came out, they were they looked around and realized he had another gun arrest in March. So he said to Come on, bro. Um and there's been a yeah, it's it's that time of season, you know, year where you just hope um, where you don't want any of these players to, to pop up. But this was like the charge. first the first week of the offseason, basically. And this popped up for him. And then Z- Zayvon Collins of the Cardinals had one, too. But, yeah, Clark having two charges. I don't know. I don't know if that's something the NFL. Like, so one thing is like into. now this this could be just nonsense. But his attorney says that the submachine gun um, is the property of Clark's bodyguard. But I, I'm with you, Dan. Like, when I read this headline, cops say NFL star had Uzi in Lambo SUV. It's like, people are living different lives. That will never be written about us, ever. We will never be caught in a situation like that. I, and I don't know what an Uzi is um, needed piece. for at this point either. But The Uzi is only needed if you're going to the top of uh, the Nagatami Tower or whatever uh, in Century City. <laughs> Uh, in Die Hard, and you're trying to kill Bruce Willis. So we don't need that in our in our car. Our car. Gun control. <laughs> Take it off the list. What else? What other social issue do we want to hit on before big, the, the big end episode. of today's show? Big episode. All right. Uh, and finally in the news. 39 seconds left. Manning lobs it. Burris alone. I just, you know, whenever I could do that to give Greg a little tweak, I like it. That's Eli Manning to Plaxico Burris. And Joe Buck with a very so-so call. Super Bowl forty-two, uh, the undefeated Patriots season goes by the boards. Eli Manning retired a couple of years back after the 2019 season. Now the 40-year-old has rejoined the Giants, Greggy. He's back with the organization in a business operations and fan engagement role. He will also work on original content development, which includes a new lifestyle series that premieres Greg, this fall. You don't have to wait until on next Giants. year. On or is it going to be on like local New York I, TV? I think it will be simulcast on all the major networks, I would assume, and all the major <laughs> streaming platforms. I mean, I find Eli Manning's Twitter and social and just like TV presence um, you know, quite likable, quite endearing. I like him more than Peyton. He doesn't seem to be trying as hard. He is sneakily uh, caught up as like, um, the Manning that, you know, it would always drive Wes crazy because people would act like Peyton Manning was so funny because he was an athlete, but really it was just like a low bar. Like Eli <laughs> isn't trying as hard, and I think he's clearing the bar. I I, I like it. I don't have I support any, it. Like, I support Eli. Greg, you're all grown up. I, I'm really I'm really taken by that. I don't know, Greg, <laughs> like how, how you'd like how many negative feelings could be stirred up by him taking a, t- a, a position with the team. Like thousands of players do the same sort of thing. 
Whoa, whoa, Let's see if Greg. he's still whoa, doing whoa, it. Whoa, Mark, just, Mark, I've Mark. noticed him on Twitter and stuff. He has a little funny comment. You know, he's no, Mark, he's solid. He's, he's, he's solid. Let me tick through it again, Mark. What? Before you just like brush us off as some you know little paycheck just to get him at the uh, old timers day or whatever. It's mostly what it is. <laughs> um, he is uh, in a business operations and fan engagement role, and he also will work on original content development, including a new lifestyle se- lifestyle series that premieres this fall. This is not some hollow title. This is a guy that's going back to work. I, I don't doubt that. I, what is I the like, lifestyle series? Lo- what does that well, mean? Well, that's the only thing to me that seems like it has in. legs. If the show takes off, but are you are you telling you think he's going to go spend like fifteen hours a week with fans? I don't think he's that's remodeling a huge homes. Portion of what the- is he doing with the lifestyle series? See, he's building up. I'm sure a trailer is going to drop at some point this summer. Okay, Just we got to figure it out. Yeah, plug in on it. All right, and that's what's happening. In the news, do we want to touch on anything else? No, I'm taking off. Um, <laughs> so I'll see you guys in the morning to Massachusetts for a, a week and a half. So oh, you're uh, getting back on the eastern uh, coast with me. I like that. I know it was a short. It's a short trip back here in LA. So you guys will uh, will carry the load here for the for the show on. Oh. You're doing another podcast, right? You do. I know you're doing a TV show on Friday. I don't know. Mark and I have to guest. talk about it. We're, but we yeah, have, we'll, yeah, we'll we have some. Out conversations to have privately yep but we do the tv show is coming back on friday with very special guest and yes um second runner up in the tybee cornhole tournament colleen wolf uh filling in so that's going to be a fun show uh are you going anywhere for get big weekend for colleen and john you know they were they were stars very nice performance very nice performance but that's there every weekend (laughs) <laughs> you know they're you know they got the two dogs, but otherwise it's like all right, where are we going to have fun this weekend? Now so what's the next fun Greece thing we'll soon, do? So yeah, they're fine. Oh, what are we gonna do for fun for after that? Well, not the way it is here. <laughs> You're in I mean, the Jersey I just Shore was... with your family. What are you? What are you well, there's about? a lot of responsibilities, you know, Greg, with the boys. Yes, here. it's true. It's Many true. tasks. <laughs> Tracking where Gonzo and Colleen were by the time that we left. I think a detox wouldn't be the worst thing to do for a couple of days on some level in whatever form that would fit them. That's true. Yeah, that would that would help. All right, good stuff. So, yes, I think we'll be back with another pod this week. The TV show is back on Friday. Um, and uh, thank you to everyone. And we're sorry we kind of had to keep it under our hat, the whole Tybee Island adventure. Uh, we would have loved to hang out with anybody that wanted to shoot down there. I know, I know if Wes was with us, he would have been totally fine with it. But we wanted to keep it a little more uh, intimate uh, and that's why we kind of didn't mention anything. But we went. We enjoyed it. We loved it. Now we're back and uh, going to enjoy the rest of the summer of 2021. And that's it for now. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Thursday. Eat the call.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.